1: Welcome everybody to the Edmonton Journal's Oil Spills Podcast. On this week's episode, we'll talk about the moves Edmonton Oilers General Manager Peter Shirelli made prior to Monday's NHL trade deadline and this period of evaluation the team has now entered in as they wind down the season, a season that will not involve a trip to the playoffs. My name is Trevor Robb. I'm filling in for the guy who usually sits in this chair, Craig Ellingson. He's on vacation for the week. Uh, but fret not, I did not come alone with me today are joining me Oilers beat writers, Jim Matheson, uh, hello <laughs> and Rob Tichkowski, uh, hello. how's it going guys? Uh, let's just get into this right away here, uh. The, the trade deadline, obviously, Monday seems like a lifetime ago already, but the biggest move was Patrick Maroon obviously going to the uh, New Jersey Devils in exchange for uh, prospect J.D. Dudek and a 2019 third-round pick. Uh, Rob, I'll start with you. Just how would you grade that trade?
0: Well, uh, in terms of what they wanted to get for him, it, it, was, it certainly wasn't. Uh, what they were looking for, they wanted more, but it's it's not like uh, they offered him more. And Shirely turned it down and said, "No, thanks. I'll, I'll take the third and, and the prospect." Uh, it, the the market dictates what the market dictates, and if uh, that's all you can get for Patrick Maroon, then then that's all you can get for Pat, Patrick Maroon. As a GM, all you can do is is offer the player up and and see what they're going to give back. He didn't have a he didn't have a stellar year. He's a rental. You know his goals were cut in half. And as soon as you as soon as you took him off Connor McDavid's line, he's he's not the same player. So he's still a good player. I think he'll be a a big help for a team in the playoffs when he's engaged and and the games are played down low with a lot of physicality and strength. And you need some hands in close. I think he can be a good help. But uh, I think you know maybe his value is overrated in this market because he just he didn't have a great year and he's a rental. Every general manager uh,
2: looks at the trading deadline and hopes he gets 10 calls on a player and then he can sift through them and decide what the best one is. But as you get closer to the deadline and you're not getting a lot of calls, you take what you can get. And they did not want Patrick Maroon just leaving for nothing, even though they didn't trade an awful lot to get him in the first place, a fourth round pick. And Martin Gurnat, who's now playing back in uh, Europe. Former Oil King. So, whatever they got for Patrick Maroon was still better than what they had to give up in the first place. But I think I agree with Rob. The populace of uh, Oiler fans maybe overrated Patrick for for the kind of guy he is. And, you know, he's a big guy, he's engaging, uh, you know, uh, he can fight some people. Uh, But the league looked at what he was doing this year and said, you know what? It's a fast league. And he's not a fast player, and uh, I don't know where he'll fit in. Now, I agree with Rob. I think he's a much better player than a lot of the other teams thought. I think when the games get tougher, I think he'd be a real good player. And I think uh, I still think he probably would have got 20 goals if he stayed for the Oilers. He's got 14. <clears throat> he's hurt now. I don't know how seriously he's hurt. He didn't play the first game for New Jersey, uh, even though he practiced with them in the morning. So, a uh, Third-round pick, they get the whole raft of third-round picks in 2019, and they tell me it's a better draft crop than 2018, which is why teams seem to be gung-ho to get 2019 draft picks. The prospect, uh, J.D. Dudek, is playing at Boston College. Uh, he's not a star there, but he does play in the same team as two other draft picks already, George McPhee's son, Graham, and a uh, finished player, uh Razan and so they probably saw him a little bit more than they would see some players playing in college so you know it's not as much as I thought but hey looking at it this way Evander Kane is 26 and he only got one legitimate offer from San Jose and he's 26 and his stats are better than Patrick Maroon so a lot of teams chose to stay away from players unless they were the high high-end players and they all went in heavy for the Rick Nashes and the Eric Carlson's and Max Pacioretty's and stuff and stayed away from the other players.
1: When Patrick Maroon left, uh, he he talked with media locally here and he he mentioned about how come July 1st he might want to circle back to Edmonton. He'd like to be an Edmonton Oiler again. Uh, I, I wonder though, is that something the Oilers want? Is that something Peter Chiarelli will want to do come July 1st?
2: Depends how many wingers they have on July 1st. I don't know. Uh, They don't have enough now. I think Rob would agree to that. They're deep on centers and not very deep on the wing. The problem is, two of the left wingers are Maroon and Lucic. And in a fast game, neither one of those players is as fast as the game is today. So there's probably only room for one of them. And Lucic has got five years left in his contract after this year. So I do think there's some sentiment from the general manager that he likes the player. And I do think certainly that Patrick Maroon liked his time in Edmonton, and you can't say that about every American player that comes Mm -hmm. to Edmonton. You know, they think it's not the greatest place in the world, but he was kind of embraced by the community here and the fans for sure, and his teammates. So I'm sure he will, you know, come back to the Oilers in July and says, "Okay, I got a three-year offer from this team. Can you match
0: it?" And I guess it's up to the Oilers to say
2: if they want him back or not.
0: Yeah, you hear that that theme a lot when a player leaves as a UFA and then you know maybe he'll come back the number of players who actually do it is quite limited it's uh, anytime you leave something I was joking the other day it's like if you break up with your girlfriend it's like this is the end of the world this is the, I can't believe this happened you get a new girlfriend you're like yeah this is alright maybe I don't I don't have to go back to the old <laughs> one so maybe he goes out goes out east and really enjoys it has a good playoff run and, and settles in and says I'm staying here or ups his value or you know there's you know come summer there's going to be 31 opportunities for him so you know he'll he'll be able to you know if he's if he's true about you know I'm sure he means it now if he if he still feels that way in July they can talk again but you know if he and the others are going to do something maybe they would have done it by now so I'm not really sure how that would go.
1: Obviously you mentioned it, Maddie. Fans loved Patrick Maroon, uh, and, and fans kind of hear a lot about how how good Maroon was in the locker room. He had a lot of positive relationships with some of the players. Uh, I wonder if fans maybe value that more than GMs and hockey teams do, though.
0: Uh, I think the teams if you have a good guy in the room that that matters and it's you know it doesn't show up on the stats but it makes the room better and if the room feels better and it's a more cohesive group it's going to perform better and and you want to have a guy on your team who's a good person and a good guy you know you have to be a really outstanding talent to be a jerk in the room and still be accepted and and liked so if you can be a little bit of both which he was then yeah you endear yourself to everyone
2: I think Mark Latestu was the same Really good in the room, and the players liked him and respected him. And Brandon Davidson was a good guy too. So, they traded three players who were yeah. popular in the room. You know, neither, none, of, none of those players was was a bad guy at all. So, you're right. The fans fall in love with certain players, and I think you know Patrick Maroon probably was in the top five in terms of popularity with fans. You know, he sold a lot of hockey sweaters. Pretty much, they're almost all. McDavid, but there's Dreisaitl and Maroon and Talbot. Those seem to be the top four. So I think he was very popular. And you're right, general managers look at players differently than fans do, though. So they're they're looking at the now. For rentals, anyway, they look at now. What's he going to do for us now? And uh, unfortunately, only New Jersey stepped up. And, you know, the last trade that Peter Shirley made with New Jersey was Taylor Hall for Adam Larson. So, (coughs) you know... Um, this year anyway, it looks like Taylor Hall will be in the running for the most valuable player in the league. So. Yeah, it's working out pretty well for the Jersey. Yes.
1: Yeah, yeah. <laughs> uh, I don't think Oilers fans want to be reminded of that right now. But uh, So mm-hmm. you, you did mention, obviously, prior to the trade deadline, Brian, uh, Brandon Davidson sorry, was moved. Uh, mm-hmm. uh, he was traded uh, for a third-round draft pick, which I think most of us would agree is a pretty good Deal for a guy mm. who was basically picked up off waivers. So, uh, and then of course, uh, veteran center Mark Letestu sent to Columbus as part of a three-team deal with the Nashville Predators. That saw forward Pontus Aberg come to Edmonton. Now, uh, Maddie, you were in San Jose. You got to see uh, Pontus for the first time there. He did tally an assist mm. in that game. Uh, what were your first impressions of the guy?
2: He looked okay. He didn't step out. You know, I didn't. I don't recall before passing the puck to Puliyarvi for a nice goal, his first goal in. Fifteen game drought. I didn't really notice him all that much, but that was a nice play on the goal. I think it's difficult for a player playing his first game. Less difficult for, say, an Evander Kane playing for San Jose because a he's got a bigger, bigger skill set and he's a more physical player, so he can push people around and stuff than than Aberg. But I thought he thought he was just fine, and I think the Oilers have so few players in their minor league team in terms of forwards prospects that they needed a player like this. They need a player who's played some in the NHL. And on the Edmonton Oilers team, on a team that's in the, you know, bottom 5 or 6 in the league, he's going to he's going to play. Now, where he's going to play is another story. Right now they got him on the third line. I suspect if he's if he shows that he's got more skill on that, maybe he plays in the top two lines on the right wing. So, right now they have Pugliarvi playing left wing, not right wing. Uh,
0: and they're trying to see how that works. Yeah. I mean, I saw him, like, the, you know, the one game so far you know, on TV, and, and up until he, it was a nice assist, though, and that's what you're looking for from a guy who can make that deft play. Like, you're looking for a, a player who has some speed and has some skill, and you saw a little bit of both in that first game, and maybe it's not about being noticed a whole bunch. It's just making a couple of plays a game that lead to a goal or a scoring chance, and and, and that's what they're looking for. So it's, a you know, you'll get 20 games here to see what he's all about, and then that's kind of what they'll go by
1: seems like the report on him is that he has the speed he has the shot he has that skill even a little bit of grit there yeah. uh, but his confidence seemed to have fallen off there and how, how do you get that back when your team you know 19 games of basically nothing no playoffs to yeah. look forward to how do you get that guy's confidence back
0: well the, the the only thing that concerns me about him is that Nashville gave up on him. And Nashville is sm- the smartest organization in the NHL they know players like that's the one thing they know they draft and develop better than anybody else in the league and they let him get away for a fourth round draft pick so you know if if they're if they're kind of not sure about him then then i'm certainly not sure about him uh but you know he's young enough that he can play his way out of that and like you say if you put him in a good situation and he starts producing then he can you know he can change his course so i mean it's it's up to him and it's up to the oilers to help him become that guy you know they got they brought ryan stroman here under the same circumstances they're trying to you know give him better put him in a better situation get his confidence in his production up and they you know, let him let him sit on the third line for most of the season. So you have to help these guys. You have to put them in positions to succeed and then see if they can or not and make a judgment on them.
2: I don't think it's a crime that he couldn't play. He's the kind of player that has to play in the top nine. If he's not in the top nine, he's not a fourth-line player, and he's a skilled player. So it was tough getting ice time. That said, uh, he did play uh, on the first line for the Nashville Predators in the Stanley Cup final. <clears throat> the first game of the Stanley Cup final. Yeah. So he's got enough skill to play with, with skilled players. So, but he obviously didn't win over the coach, Peter Laviolette, because he didn't have him in their top nine all that often once the season started. So, um, you know, it'd be easier to play in the Edmonton Oilers than it would the right. Nashville Predators right now. And he's not the first young player who went to another team and then said, you know, I'm going to get a little more, more, ice time here and I'll, I'll show you what I can do. I don't know. Maybe he's a 15 goal 35 point NHL
0: player. I don't yeah. know. What he does. Who knows? Yeah, when the Oilers used to be good, and this is a long, long time ago, they, they turned away a lot of good players because there was no room to play in that lineup that had Gretzky and Curry and Messier and Anderson. Didn't mean you weren't good, it just meant you weren't as good as them. So, you know, that, maybe that's the situation that he's coming from. Like Nashville's a very powerful team, and if, if he can't make their top six or nine, then, you know. Maybe he can do that here. He's another player too good for the American League, not good
2: enough for the NHL yet. He, yeah. They sent him down this year on a conditioning assignment just to get him some games. He scored four goals in four games. And, you know, he scored 30-some, over 30 goals last year. So he can score in the American League. Uh, the problem is there's lots of uh, guys who look really good in the American yeah. League but just can't make that jump to where they're, you know, it translates uh, to the NHL as well. So it remains to be seen. Yeah.
1: Yeah, it's basically been the Oilers story. They're trying to bring up guys from the AHL all the time. They seem to to do well down there, but it never translates to the NHL. Like I said, they're off the top. Uh, Shirelli, in every press conference he's had or any stand up he's had, he's made mention that this is now a period of evaluation. Uh, with 19 games left here in the season, including one tonight here, there are a couple guys, I guess you would call bubble players. I assume Aberg or Aberg, sorry, might even fall into that category. Uh, but there are guys that are basically playing for their jobs out there. Uh, do you do you have, Jim, do you have any guys that kind of fall into that category? Guys who stick out where if they don't impress, they might may not make it here for next season? I don't know.
2: That's such a cliche. Every team that's out of the playoffs says it's a period of evaluation now. We're gonna look at our players and they gotta show that they can you know, they're NHL players for next year. Well like the the games change when you're out of the playoffs. <clears throat> you play more relaxed and the other teams that you're playing against they're in a fight and they're you know they play a little more uptight and often you know the teams that are out of the playoffs beat the other teams late in the season because they're relaxed and guys play better and in terms of players they would be looking at i presume they want to make sure that that you know anton Slepyshev keeps going you know he looks like last year's Slepyshev. Now he right. looks like a keeper i'm sure they want to see better from uh, drake Kajula, who's had not a good year at all after last year, they want to see what he can do uh, You know, playing regularly. They called up Ty Ratty from the minors. Uh, this guy was a phenomenal uh, junior player in Portland. Played with Sven Barchi, who's you know in Vancouver now, uh, and was a phenomenal player, but not the greatest skater, and it's a fast game now. So they're going to give him a look. It's, they're certainly giving him a look. They're playing on the line with Leon Dreisaitl. They're not playing him on the line on the fourth line, so he's mm-hmm. going to get a look. I don't know how many players they're really looking at in terms of, you know, young guys. I mean, I'm sure they hope that that Milan Lucci starts to score before the season ends. And I think maybe it's a period of experimentation when Nugent Hopkins comes back. If Peter Shirelli is right that they got too much money tied up in three centers, uh, $27 million next year, then one of those centers better play the wing. And I'm thinking sometime in the next, uh, you know, month, They'll try Nugent Hopkins on the wing because he played some wing uh, in the World Cup. Uh, and it's kind of silly having Nugent Hopkins as your third-line center making $6 million.
0: Uh, yeah, I mean, yeah. I, I I think that they... The, the one thing you have to make sure of is that they go into the summer with zero unanswered questions. You have to know exactly what Slepeshev is and can you – is this a guy that you can bank on next season? Jujar Kara, the exact same thing. All these younger players – the veterans, they've already had their evaluation. The team's 27th, so you, you don't need to worry about Camilleri or, or or Lucic and those guys You worry about that in the summer. They've shown you what, what they can do. But I think you need to know exactly who everybody on this team is. So when you go into the summer and you have to make some really important decisions – you don't have a question mark like they came into this year not sure what so and so is going to be, and because at this point wins and losses don't matter, and that's kind of the balance where you know it's easy for us to say Todd McClellan just experiment with all these young guys and put them on. If, if the Oilers go three and seventeen down the stretch, that suddenly it's his neck on the line, so he has to he has to play to win just for his own you know security. At the same time, he has to juggle you know the general manager's wish that they can take a look at everybody they have on this uh, on this team and see who they're going to lock in with going forward and where they need to. You know, for all they know, Shlepyshev can be one of those top six forwards on a full-time basis. For all they know, Puliyarvi can be the full-time guy on, on Connor McDavid's left side, and they won't have to worry about them. Give him 20 games. See what he is. And if he is, he is. If he's not, he's not. If he's maybe, then then he's a maybe, and you know it. But you got to have those answers. There's no excuse whatsoever going into this summer not sure about every single player on this team right now.
2: Well, they have to decide, is Strom, uh, if you're going to play you know, Nugent Hopkins on the wing, on the first two lines, then you can play Dreisaitl as your second-line center, and does Ryan Strom fit as a third-line center? Right now he looks just fine as a third-line center, playing against different checkers than he would get if he was playing in the top two lines. And is Kara Fujar Kara going to fill the Mark Letestu role as the fourth-line center? I think certainly he can. I think he's big enough he can. Uh... And, you know, you want to see maybe where Matt and he play a little higher up than that. So um, you're right. Rob says they got to go into this season knowing, okay, here's our holes. We've, we've, we're we sure now that these guys can play, you know, where they can play. Right. And last year they were hoping, I think, right. that these young players, you know, we saw, you know, they look good. And then they penciled in all these guys, whether you're Kajula or, or Slepeshev, Benning, and said, you know, these guys can play big minutes for us. And, and then in Kara's case, you know, they didn't like him at all early in the season. And then finally he seemed, the light seemed to go on, and now, now he looks like a regular. So, you know, you can't count on too many young players to be something they're not. And it's one thing to get a taste of them, and it's another thing to think, okay, this guy can do it over 80 games.
1: Yeah, ben- Benning is a name that really sticks <clears throat> out for me. Also, Packer Ryan in there. I'm not sure mm-hmm. if he's going to be a fourth-line player forever, either. <clears throat> um, I got another segment here, a new segment I'd like to bring in for this week's episode, guys, and it's called, uh, What the Hell is Wrong with Milan Lucic? <clears throat> uh, because we're now going on to Game 27 here, where Milan has yet to score a goal. Uh, today, uh, Todd McClellan, speaking to the media after the practice here, he said, he's certainly a priority for our organization and our coaching staff. We have to get him back to where he needs to be. Uh, I'm not sure how to get get that done otherwise I'd probably be a part of that coaching staff guys I mean this is 27 games we're talking two full months here Maddie. you just wrote a column about this I believe yesterday for today's paper uh, something's obviously out of whack for this guy and I'm not sure exactly what it is do you just throw him with Connor McDavid until he finally scores that goal yes <clears throat> there you go
2: <laughs> you know I mean you may as well I mean he, he did get more chances early in the game in San Jose and he has been getting, and I thought, oh, tonight's the night he's going to score a goal. And then he hits the goalpost in the second period and doesn't get the goal. I think it's pretty obvious that the game is too fast for him right now. The game's too fast for a lot of players right now, not just him. And I, it, Whether it's Brent Seabrook in, in Chicago, even a Duncan Keith doesn't look as fast now because there's so many fast players. So somehow between uh, April 7th or whenever the season ends and next fall, he has to get faster feet. He has to lose some weight, and I don't know how you you do that on a, on his frame because there's not much fat on his frame if you take a look at him, but he's he's got a lot of muscle body mass. He has to just get faster. He has to get faster like Leon Dreisaitl got faster there when he was a rookie, and it looked like there was a lot of nights he was pulling a sled because it was just too fast. And then he came back the next year, and he, he did some different training in the summer, and his foot speed was better. So yeah. if he doesn't get faster... Uh, that's a major problem for the Oilers. Not just the general manager, but the coach and the people paying his salary, because that's a lot of money to have a, a player not go that long without uh, scoring a goal.
0: Yeah, I, I think for this season, it doesn't matter to me if he scores again. Like, who cares? Like this year's a uh, this year's a wash, a, a, a washout. Like it's it's all about what you know. Matty was saying what what we see from him next year. Like this season, I don't care if he scores if, if he does if he goes the last. 20 games without scoring it doesn't matter his, his season was you know, not good this year and, and it, everything depends on what he does in the summer and, and you know he's got to lay off the weights he's got to do more leg stuff he's got to do more cardio stuff he's got to come in leaner and faster or it's just going to be a repeat of sometimes guys just get snake snakebitten he's hit about 4 or 5 posts so it's not as bad as it seems uh, I didn't like in the San Jose game where Kane runs bending from behind and you know I guess Lucic is too busy not scoring to go and address that situation that's part of the reason he was bought here you know, this it's a freebie too. Teams out of the playoffs doesn't matter if you win or lose. You just walk up and slap them in the face, and you know, no excuse for not doing that because that's part of his, his job description here. But yeah, I mean, if he doesn't score for the next ten or fifteen, it, it, I don't care. It's this this season's wiped out. It's he's got a, and it, and it, that's a wake up call for him too. I think that'll be a motivating fact in the summer. Like I went twenty five thirty thirty five games without scoring a goal, I have to change because this league 's leaving me behind so i 'm sure he 's
2: looked at other players in the league who have got faster slimmer and he 's saying who 's your trainer <clears throat> who 's your guy who 's yeah. your dietitian who what am I doing here and that 's what he 's searching for now he 's not a he 's a very bright guy Milan. He knows the league. He knows he's he he knows he's playing crappy. He's yeah. not dumb. Oh, he cares. <clears throat> he's not a guy. That he's care. and he knows that the league is ultra fast now, and he knows that his style of game you can't play that way anymore. Every now and then you can, but nobody's looking to fight him. There's not much hitting anymore, and I think the telling sale, telling sign for me is when the puck gets turned over. Leon always seems like or Milan rather he's standing still and that's because the you know the game is so fast now but he seems to be caught going one way when the puck's going the other and that's part of of he's unsure of what he has now he had skills and he had tools and they worked mm-hmm. now those tools don't work and i think he's going into a different work environment and he's kind of caught wondering okay now what do i have to do here i got to mm-hmm. play the games but what worked for me before it doesn't work now and how can I somehow figure a way around this you don't want to take shortcuts but he's got to figure a way around, around the way the game's played now and, and the skill set he does have
1: yeah I understand the season's a wash obviously Rob like you said if he doesn't score it doesn't really matter but I think of his confidence I mean it, he's got to get one in the net just so that going into the offseason he's not so so down on himself oh, he'll,
0: get, he'll get a couple that's, yeah. that's not a thing he's literally hit five goalposts in the past couple of weeks yeah. like he's, he's all over it uh, last game, you know, you just look up to the heavens. and which Probably wasn't a good time to do that because they took the puck the other way and scored, but nevertheless, like, it'll, it'll come. But, uh, you know, that whether he gets one or two or none between here and there, it doesn't matter. It, he's got to change in the summer.
1: Yeah, moving forward, the Oilers definitely need him yeah. to go because he's locked in, and that's not a contract I think they can move. And I mean, he's got the no trade anyway there. So right. uh, the, he's a guy that the Oilers are definitely leaning on to be a better player next season. So.
2: And I don't know whether that means <coughs> – playing with Connor mcdavid that just means playing in a regular role and if he doesn't get you know 18 19 minutes a game if he gets 15 and he's fairly productive in those 15 minutes great there's david backus i remember we went to boston and everybody thought oh david backus the game's going way too fast mm-hmm. but he's managed to find his way in boston and be a productive third line player yeah now a lot of money but
0: he's using the skills he has to be a Productive player. And playing him with McDavid only makes him look slower than he already does. Playing against uh, the other team's top line, suddenly it's, you know, maybe he's better served playing a third line, dump and chase, Mm -hmm. you know, battle it out in the corners kind of a situation as opposed to, because everybody looks slow Mm -hmm. next to McDavid. He's better uh, off
2: probably playing with Kara, who's a big body, and Milan is a big body, and maybe they can have a a quicker body on the other side. But a guy who gets in quick and gets the puck and and has some finish and they can do the dirty work
0: that could be their identity <clears throat> right that could be
2: their down. identity as as a line but you know that's 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 the purvey of the coaching staff yeah. to find those <laughs> those lines not the could could guys. be aberg <clears throat> who knows yeah.
1: uh i mean fans are definitely <clears throat> going to have to sort of hold their nose but you, you know he'll gonna gonna score he'll
2: score against oh, of Nashville because yeah. i yeah. mean that's the way it works when a guy's <laughs> playing his his old team if he's ever going to play a really good game it's going to be against his his old team and if the coach is thinking right, he'll be in the second power play unit, too, because you want to get him out there as much as he can.
1: Well, just like that, guys, I think we're out of time here. Tonight, the Oilers will take on the Nashville Predators at Rogers Place with the puck drop at uh, 7 p.m. It's the first of a five-game home stretch here at Rogers Place here. Uh, rookie defenseman Ethan Bear, I believe that's been confirmed. He is going to play tonight, right? Uh,
2: I think so, although they did say this morning that it would be conditional on Chris Russell. Chris Russell would play, but yeah. I didn't see... Johan O 2 in the dressing room right. when we were talking to mm-hmm. Ethan Bear so he was yeah he was off the ice before O 2 yeah, but con- McCollum wouldn't yeah, confirm it so. that's mm. the, uh, i that's a tough chore you throw a guy playing his first NHL game against the best yeah. team in the league even if it's in your own building that's a very tough uh task but you know, hey, you've got to play against somebody. Yep, yep. he'll only be one of twenty guys
1: who struggle, so that'll <laughs> blend right in. <laughs> yeah, lots they've, to look like they've to. lost
2: eleven or twelve in a row to Nashville, so it's <laughs> not like they <laughs> beat him right, right in. in. Yeah. yeah,
1: so we got lots to look forward to tonight, there, guys. Again, uh, thanks for coming in today, guys, and uh, thanks for tuning in, everyone. Take care. Thank
2: you. Thanks.